0: And I hear a lot of these um, things that are happening on TV and radio where people are just like thrashing each other. So one of the things that we will try and do this week as part of the fasting, if you are fasting from um, not eating the food or something like that, I'm encouraging you this week to add something more to that fasting, which is to fast from bitterness, I'm going to ask you to stop saying, even if there are things that are like what Miss Sarah said, maybe the right thing to say, but if it's going to hurt somebody and leave a hole in their heart, this is not what God wants you and me to say or do. So if you can add it to your list this week to fast from bitterness, one way you can fast from bitterness is to actually, if you have said something already, and, and caused uh, the nail to be pierced into their heart, uh, this week is a good week. If God reminds you of that person, if God reminds you of a circumstance or a situation that has happened in your life, I'm going to ask you to pick up the phone and remove the nail from their heart. There are things that we have said out of, uh, you know, that moment, right? Right? That moment in time, we would have gotten really angry and said something, right? But the thing is, we can always go back and remove the nail from their heart. So use this week as part of your fasting. Ask God to reveal not that you are hurt, you know, it's the people that you hurt that you can actually call upon and reconcile your relationship. This is a beautiful year, 2021. There's so much good's going to come out of this year, but I want us to start this year really well, because, um, like a, a Bishop T.D. Jake says, like uh, the forgiveness, if unforgiveness is like uh, the 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 poison that we drink and expect our enemy to die right and so we don't want to leave any poison uh, in our life in our in our mouth in, in our actions so use this time as a, as a time to just like a fast from bitterness this week and uh, with that said I wanted to go to Matthews chapter 5 we started this one last week and I'm going to read from verses 13 to 16. this is a beautiful verse. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good salt is if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds Shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. This is a beautiful verse. In fact, like how the first eight verses or nine verses within the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes, these two pieces of salt and light is called similitude, this is like similitude, the meaning of similitude for this, like verses 13 to 16, means the quality or state of being similar to something. That Jesus is trying to refer to something as similar to how our life should be, Right? When, we, when he says you are the salt, he doesn't mean like a, we need tomorrow to stand outside and get like, a, you know, um, burned to, to become salt. It's just like a similar to salt. We need to be an influence. When, he, when Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, he was talking about the characteristics of the kingdom person. When he was talking about the Beatitudes uh, that... Blessed are being poor, meekness, mourning, hungering and thirsting for righteousness and mercy. All those characteristics have to be there in every person who he wants to see in the kingdom of God. Right now, the the similitudes where he talks about the salt and the light, he is talking about how does that character function? How does this character influence this earth? When we are meek, when we are poor in spirit, when we moan over what is wrong, when we show mercy, that has to produce something on this earth. Like the salt, it has to produce a difference in someone's life, uh, like a light. That's why he is now starting to make these things connected together. He, the, the whole sermon on the mount is such a beautiful, magnificent, uh, and the the highest level of intellect uh, that Jesus has just like uh, exemplified. To us. It's, it's just like beautifully written, right? And how he's stitching each of these words in that Sermon on the Mount together. This is the largest discourse uh, from a theological perspective. This is the largest message that Jesus gave, but it was just like a so well written message, right? And he's expecting the church to be the salt and the light. The church here, he's not meaning a building, he's meaning you and me to be the salt and the light. I was just like researching this area where one of the Greek mythology, in in Greek mythology, they have a lot of these goddesses and mystical figures. I don't know whether you have seen um, some of these old uh, paintings that uh, they have this mystical figures that shows up in this uh, uh, you know ancient uh, pictures uh, where some of these mystical figures are actually goddesses in the in the Greek mythology right and these goddesses when they were walking one of those goddesses when she walks on the face of the earth right wherever she went, the place, wherever her feet touched, that place starts to bloom. That, sta- that place starts to blossom. It's, it's like as she's walking through the barren land, that barren land becomes like a very flourishing and prosperous, right? That's one of those mysterious or a mystical characters that they believe. It's just nothing but, a, you know, mythology, right? It didn't happen, this is like a people's belief, but you know, uh, the second one, another mystical character, or the goddesses that they had, uh, when, wherever she went, if there was like a life in that land, they all die. <laughs> they, they, Death and decay comes wherever she walks. Right? I don't think those are real characters or real goddesses, but I do think You and I have to be like that goddesses. When she walked, wherever she walked, there was a blossom that was coming out. The land was getting healed. The people were getting restored in their life. The life around them was just happy and peaceful. Over like a Friday night, I know there was like, you know, when we were talking about it, One of the listeners on the line was saying like a how when Miss Sarah was just like talking to people. She exemplifies those kind of characters to her, right? The same way you, you and I, when somebody talks to us, we need to show that characteristic in us. Every one of us are born in this earth to influence somebody. And we're going to see this today because the, the, the verses that I'm going to pick today, I'm only going to take like a two portions of that verse and we will talk about it. So far, what we have done is like the last week, we talked about the salt. And uh, the reason why Jesus was referring to salt is because it was very well known in his time. The people, like the salt sellers, Uh, Remember, last week, we were talking about how people would, when they invite you as a guest, and if they make you sit next to to a salt seller, then they know how much they are valued in that invite. It's almost like you're making somebody sit next to someone that's really rich and uh, influential, right? And so, here, last week, we also saw how salt was used for preserving things, like as a preservative, uh, stops the bacteria from growing. We saw last week how salt brings the flavor in people. Uh, it, it, It just like adds flavor to what is already there. And one of the things that I also found this week is that in the days of Jesus, salt was also used in the purification process when the children were born to promote good health they applied salt on the body of these newborn children as a purification process and to bless them with prosperity god is talking about you and me to be that purification agents of this world to influence people right so We also saw last week how salt has 14,000 uses. And so this week, we're going into the second part of it, which is starting from verses 14. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. So first God says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And then he says, a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. He's just like making a reference. We don't really need a lot of details there, but we saw during a Christmas time how Jesus was saying this about the town that is next to Nazareth, where it was on the hilltop Sephora, where Jesus' mom came from, it was a city that was sitting on a hilltop. And he's actually seeing that uh, hilltop all the time. And he's just like a referring to how that city that's just blooming with light all the time. I cannot miss going in and out. If I'm going to a grocery store, buying something and coming back, I cannot miss that. Uh, light that's coming from the hilltop. So he's just making a reference to it. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He's just like a referring to how the light should function. But today, we're just going to talk about how does it apply to me today using the verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise the heavenly Father. So, here, you are the light of the world. So, it's not talking about you Maybe you will be. God is saying, I've already placed you on this earth, on this world, to be the light. In other words, Jesus is talking about, if you are the kingdom person, if you have all my characteristics, this is how you will behave on this earth. The light here means that there are times this world is going to go through darkness. Have you ever went to a city that you have no idea how you have to go, you just like a picked up. Today, you have like a lot of GPS and other things that you have in your hand and the the GPS says turn left to turn right. But let me tell you something. One time we went to uh, uh, the Myrtle Beach and we followed the GPS and it was saying, take, exit this, exit that, go on uh, Highway 20 and... Turn here, turn turn there. And then finally, at one point, it says, turn left. And we are standing right there where it says turn left and there is no street, right? There is like the one time I saw this picture that says uh, there was a tree and in the tree, there was a note that was written and that said, your GPS is wrong, (laughs) turn around. And so, it was like that. There was nothing there we could turn out. But here's the thing, you and I, when we are sourced with His light, then we become the directional element for this world. We can bring the hope, we offer hope, we offer encouragement, we offer kindness, we offer compassion, to the people that are completely lost in this world. That's why Jesus is telling us here that we will be the ones carrying this light back and forth into the dark places of the world and the human hearts as well. That's what we're going to see today. But before we go further into it, it says you are the light of the world. God has this vision of you and me not just for your home, not just for your city, not just for your state, not just for this country. Jesus had a vision for this world. Our world is a lot bigger than Charleston and Charlotte and this United States of America. We are the light. Of this world. The world does not have an answer for many of the problems. He says when when we become that light, the world wants to have a piece of that light. It is too easy for us to just confirm to the world. Just go with the flow. It's just like a one glass of wine, not a big deal. Go with the flow. It's just like a one scene on that movie. Go with the flow. It is just a, a one ticket that I'm buying from the lottery. Go with the flow, right? It is really easy to go with the flow. It is very comfortable, even to go with the flow, right? But God is saying, don't stay in that comfort zone. You are the light of the world. I've placed something more important in your life. You're supposed to be different. Your light brings things out of darkness. So, we may say, hmm, my light? How can how can I produce light? I have so much of dirt in my life. I have so much of like shortfalls in my life. Really? Jesus... I am the light if, if if I am in this world people will actually see me and just get uh, changed that's often the condition I was just listening to this preacher um, earlier this week and he was saying how we have learned or how the enemy has just like a placed it in our heart to buy this belief of guilt. And shame from being the light of this earth. Jesus is not making a suggestion, Jesus is making a statement that you are the light of the earth. Right? He's talking about we are not shining ourselves to the world here. We are actually shining His light to the world. I really like the amplified version of this verse where it says that you are the light of the world is translated as you are the light of Christ to the world. You are the light of Christ to the world. So it's not our light right? It's not my moral character that is shining. I am a conduit. God can use me as a vessel. He can show through me to the people what the light looks like. That's why in John chapter 8 verses 12, Jesus says, Jesus spoke to them saying, again saying, I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is saying, I am the source of this light, but the one who follows me also has this light applied to them. We'll see a little bit later um, uh, on how that uh, light uh, between our light and uh, uh, God's light interact with each other. But for now, know this for sure, it's not your light that you're trying to shine upon people. It is His light. And uh, there was one time John the Baptist was just like a baptizing people, and uh, the, the, his disciples came and talked about Jesus, and they were asking him, hmm, if you are baptizing, then who is Jesus? right? And John the Baptist talks in length in chapter 3 of John chapter 3. He's talking in length towards the end about who Jesus is for him, but at the end he says, Christ must increase and I must decrease. In order for our light to be shown on this dark world The Christ in us should increase and me and myself should decrease. Therefore, like the closer we come to the source of this light, the brighter our light is going to be. The farther away that we go from the light, from praying, from fasting, from reading the word, from fellowship with the, with the believers those are the things that brings us closer to the light the farther that we go away from the light the dimmer we become and the, and, the, and the and the responsibility that Christ has placed in this life is so beautiful Jesus is saying you are that light, you are the city on the hill, you need to bring the light to the, t- the room. Now, it becomes a little bit more, uh, as, as it goes into this verses, he's giving actually a command, after he says, you are the light, he says, let your light shine. Right? And and, and the thing is this, that I was just like uh, uh, reading through this and I found that uh, the Amplified Version is having a much better explanation of this. There are three parts to it I'm going to touch today. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence. And recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. All the other translations say, let your light shine before men in such a way. Or let your light shine so that, uh, but but here is the only one, it says, so that, uh, you know, may see your good works and moral excellence. This week, we're going to be celebrating Dr. King's birthday tomorrow. And a lot of people will remember his speech, I Have a Dream speech. That was one of the well-spoken speeches of this um, nation. And what Dr. King was talking about in his dream, he wasn't talking about uh, from the, the place of pity. He was uh, speaking from the place of his heart, and he was talking about this very thing that Matthew 5, 16 is talking about. He was talking in his speech about moral excellence, moral excellence. When we say, let your light shine before men, he's not talking about what his outside world can see. He's talking about an inner light in you and me that is most important, the most gripping thing. In the olden days, they—they, they, I don't know. Some day, I mean, some cities. When I go, I see these churches as well. These beautiful steeples and the churches with murals that has like, uh, you know, the dark window glasses with the pictures on it. And and the thing is that uh, when the light from inside the church burns, uh, those uh, murals burn so bright for the people from distance, know that the church is ready to get started. That's because of the light that was inside the steeple. And uh, Prophet Samuel, uh, one time he was very saddened because uh, God had rejected Saul from being a king right? So, he goes to the Lord, and God knows that Samuel's heart is just like a really uh, saddened because Samuel is the one who actually anointed Saul to be the king, and now, because of his action, Saul's action, God was rejecting Saul from being a king. But listen to what God is saying to Samuel. God knows Samuel likes Saul because Samuel is like a really a tall man. He was beautiful. He was like a well-built, and so Saul, Samuel had a special place for Saul, right? But here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7: Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our light will shine, not with our outward appearance not the big houses that we have or an expensive car or a fancy dress we have. It is only when we express Christ in our life, in how we live and how we show to the people that we truly care and truly want to show the kindness to the people. Truly you hug and kiss and shake hands. The thing is... Every time we go into prison these days, um, I I always uh, see how much of a joy it is for the people inside those facilities. Uh, And and the thing is that uh, I've always felt like uh, that uh, we were doing something good and favorable for them. But recently, something happened and that just uh, like, uh, you know, opened my eyes to something that I've not seen with these ladies and these men inside the prison. There is a girl you all know we talked about, like a Takia, who lost her father. She had seen her father just one time after being arrested and put in prison. Uh, and she's six-year-old girl. She saw him first time last year, or now it's two years now. So the thing is, uh, about two or Three months ago, we just heard from the prison saying how his, uh, her father, was killed inside that prison, right? And uh, when the ladies that are serving time in Anson Correctional heard about it, they actually wanted to do something good for this girl, girls. Actually, there are two girls there, Taki and Sakia, and and the thing is that they took time. To just like a make some cards and uh, bookmarks and paintings and beautiful letters. And some of those letters were saying, these, this was the worst that I was holding on to. So they were just like a throwing in all that they had to help these girls recover, right? Earlier this week, I heard from that same prison, the warden called and said, those ladies want to make teddy bears and more cards and love letters for these two girls. For the, um, for the Valentine's Day. And what am I saying? That love that somebody showed it to them, they want to show it to someone else. When you give the hope to someone, when you show the kindness to someone, when you show the compassion to, to someone. It doesn't leave or or it just like it goes one way. It actually reflects and comes out the other way. And that's what these ladies are trying to do. You and I are the people that they are looking for. And that's why Jesus says, you are the light that comes from inside. The moral excellence comes from inside. The accuser of our soul, the Satan, constantly, he is going back and forth across this earth, looking for you and me to make a mistake. Why? Because if someone is living a wicked life, who doesn't follow Christ, or who doesn't want to live a good life, he doesn't care. But he is looking for someone who has given their life to Christ to see if they have made one small mistake, one moral failure in their life, so that he can go and accuse before the God of this universe. That's why when we read in the book of Job chapter 1, there was this big summit of all the angels were happening in the, in the heavens. And all the angels, the sons of God has come. And even the Satan had come. And when he had come, God turns around and asks, Oh Satan, where are you coming from? Look what it says in Job chapter 1. He says, I was going back and forth. God knows why he was going back and forth. He was looking for you and me, even today. right? But then, In verse 8, the Lord says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Here's my point. Here's my challenge to all of you. And it is a challenge for me as well. If the accuser shows up today, in front of Jesus, and he was ready to accuse somebody. Will God open his mouth and say, Have you looked on this earth? Have you seen Viola Brown? Have you seen Fred Lee? Have you seen Sarah Jackson? Have you seen Susan Hall? Have you seen Teddy McKeever? Have you seen Vince? Have you seen Randy Have you seen Cyril? Will God say, have you seen Brenda Gibbs? Have you seen Colette? Will God say about you and me? If we replace that word of Job, will God say about your life and my life, saying, have you considered my servant? And put your name in there. But there is none like him or her on the earth, a blameless and upright man or a woman who fears God and shuns evil. Here's the thing. The first part is to look our light will shine when our moral character is at its peak. Right? And what when, and that's the second part of this verse is saying, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence. I was uh, listening to one of the evangelists, a famous evangelist named George Mueller, and he's talking about. <clears throat> um, Once there was a a wealthy uh, man in Germany whose wife was a devout believer. But this husband of hers was very carefree and also an alcoholic. Every day he would go and spend time in tavern. I think when I just uh, read that one, tavern probably is like a bar, right? So we can translate it. So he goes to this tavern where he actually sits down and eats and and just drinks and drinks and drinks and comes home really late in the night. But whenever he came home, however late it was, that wife of his will always have a food prepared for him. She would never scold him. She never treated him unkindly. There are times that he would come so drunk, she had to undress him and put him in the bed. But one night, as he was spending time with his friends in the tavern, he was boasting with his friends, saying how, when he goes home, that his wife will be still awake and have prepared a dinner for him. When the friends heard about it, they were initially skeptical. They were thinking, how can it be possible because this guy spends, like really, all his evening here drunk. And so they were skeptical in the beginning, but they still want to go with the flow. And so, They all got on their vehicles, they went with him to his house. When they went home to their surprise, just like what this man said, his wife was waiting for him with his food prepared. And when she saw he walked in with his friends, she also prepared food for his friends. And she waited on them to just like a eat, and after she served the food, she actually went back to her room. And as soon as she left, one of his friends got up, and he was just really angry at this husband, and he was accusing him, and he said, what kind of a husband are you to treat such a good woman so miserably? And he didn't want to eat that food, so he just went out. Then the next person got up and did the exact same thing like the first one and the next and the next. uh, Pretty much like all of those men that came with him left without eating dinner that night from his home. And after they left, he was just sitting there thinking about what happened. And uh, George Mueller says about like, this is a real story. So this is not a story that they made up. right? So George was saying that uh, after an, a half an hour or so, this man realized what he has done. And uh, he was deeply convicted of his wickedness and the heartless treatment of his wife. He went to, to her room and asked her to pray for him. And he repented of his sin and gave his life to Christ. And from that moment on, he became a devout Christian what did she do? In this story, I never said even one word about this woman's name. I didn't say anything about her. All we talked about is her character. She won her husband for Christ without a word being spoken. Her attitude toward her husband was never shunned away. In order for us to show this world our good deeds, this is the moral excellence that Dr. King is talking about. When we show this kind of a love to somebody who hates us, it's very easy to love somebody who is nice to us. It's really hard to love someone who hates us? But when we just put away our anger, when we put away that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the bitterness out of our heart, when we take away uh, the insult, and I was asking God, how is this even possible, God? How is this even? Uh, even doable. Like when somebody does really wrong to us, how can I be nice to them? They are not nice to me. right? I'm sure this wife of his would have felt like that every single day, but she knew and was holding on to something that she was only given access to. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when they, here they is the world, revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. When people say all those things, the bad things, I don't know what all people have done to you. When you are beat up because of the things that are happening in your life, you are beat up because of the illness and the back pain that you have. You are beat down Because of the hurt and the betrayal of the people. You beat down because your wife left you from the marriage or the husband left you from the marriage. You beat down because you cannot keep the finances under control and the bills are above your head. You beat down and you don't have an answer. But still, you don't murmur, complain, grumble or want to take an vengeance against someone. That attitude, that light when we show in this world, that's what Jesus is talking about. That light when we show to the people that we come from the same place that they are, and still we are not acting like that in fact in first peter chapter 3 it's talking about we need to be ready to tell the people people want to know what is that you have why are you so calm how come you're not getting frustrated and angry it's because of this verse that says there is a great reward for you and me in heaven It may be there on this earth as well, but there is something that we are looking forward to, an eternal life. This people that we are running into is not worth it for you to be bitter. President Biden or President Trump is not worth to be angry, frustrated, and bitter. I know in this life, I mean in this line, there is some that's going to like President Biden, some that's going to like President Trump. It doesn't matter. You and I, when we live this life, they are not going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is your bitterness that's going to make you angry, frustrated, is not worth it. This world is full of darkness. You and I are the light. People cannot see the gospel or our theological belief, but they will see your good work. They will see your gospel. Your life is the gospel. They don't get to see or read the gospel. You are the gospel. We can show the light, and that's what Jesus is talking about. And you. And the thing is that we don't need to have like a bumper sticker or like a, a, a chain with a cross or um, or a necklace of. Of cross uh, on, on our um, earring and so on. That's just like a, an outward expression. What God is talking about is an inward expression, the inner light that needs to shine. And so, at the end, he says, for what? Why would I want to be clean? Why would I want to be the light? Why would I want to show my moral character for the people to see? And Jesus explains, he says, to glorify Your Father who is in heaven. This is God's plan to bring glory to Himself. That He is using you and me, the works of you and me, to glorify our Father who is in heaven. He wants to raise the sons and daughters of light to show the, the world what His goodness looks like. Can you? Let's read that verse, right? It says, in this Amplified Version, so that the people may recognize and honor and glorify. For people to recognize the light of the Lord and to honor all His work and to glorify His stance, God is wanting to use your light and my light. Really? God God can do all of these things without you and me. He can show His glory to the people without you and me. He can show His goodness to this world directly by Himself. But instead, He created a plan. He decided to show the world His goodness and His glory through you and me. Isn't that amazing? The world is corrupt and dark, and the and, and the thing is we are hoping for something that the world has no idea on. This is God's plan. This shows how much He takes your life and my life so seriously. He wants to put His own reputation on the line on your life and mine. That's why when we look at ourselves in the mirror, last week I talked about it, a preachers like a Paul Washer are saying, do I see Jesus' reflection on me? Do I carry His attitude? Do I carry His mindset? Do I carry His words in my mouth? Do I carry my Christ in my heart? A lot of times, When we go stand in the front of the mirror, the enemy, even if you have done even small thing wrong, he puts the guilt and shame on your face and my face. And when we look at ourselves in that mirror, we tend to think, oh my God, what did I do? Until you do something wrong, you don't feel that bad. Have you ever realized you're trying to do something and you know something that you're doing is not correct? At that point in time, we quickly do it. Right? And then, after you have done it, you feel heaviness in your heart. You feel like, oh my God, what did I do? Right? That's what the enemy does. He wants to accuse you. But here's the thing every night, when we go in front of the mirror, we should see Christ in our life, in our face. His countenance in our face. And uh, when we go to bed, we need to sleep well. Not just like a toss and turn or something that we did to somebody. When you have and I have the vengeance, when you and I have anger left when we go into the bed, especially if we are angry with our husband or wife, uh, the Bible says we need to shun that out of our life before the sun goes down. And here's the good works that God is talking about. He's saying, let your good work. That's what the Bible says. If you read that words one more time this week, I'm asking you to just like a take time to read this words. It says, let your light shine. Let your inner light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And there's like always this concept of like, am I the light or is Jesus the light? That that whole question always is there because in one place Jesus is saying I am the light of the world, but whereas in the Sermon on the Mount he says you are the light, right? What is true? Is He the light or I am the light, right? But the truth is this: the earth gets light from two sources. One is the sun. And the other one is the moon. One is a planet that's an ultimate source of light. And the other is a planet that is a reflection of that source. Sun, you know, and the moon has a special relationship, just like uh, you and I have a special relationship with God. And, and the thing is this, uh, when I was just like researching this, uh, I, I I looked at uh, these two characteristics that happen uh, on uh, you know from the earth we can see one is this full moon day and the other one is a new moon day when you have a new moon day you don't see the moon at all that the 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 sky is thick black so i was trying to do some google to find a little bit more about i knew some about it but i wanted to just like a see what sign science saying about it so the full moon happens when the Earth. So here's how it works, right? The Sun, Moon, and Earth—they are all rotating. They are all moving, right? And and, and the thing is that the Earth and the uh, and the Sun—they are in the uh, uh, you know uh, direction where there is like a Moon that is also involved. So there is a triangular relationship between the Sun moon, and the earth, right? And there are times, or at least once a month, what happens is that the, the earth and the, and the sun and the moon, when they were moving around, the earth comes in between the sun and the moon, right? When the earth comes in between the sun and the moon, I would think like, oh my God, the earth has just blocked all the light that the sun can send over to the moon, right? That's a normal tendency. If if the world comes in between your thought process and God's thought process, we think, oh my God, I'm not going to get what God is going to say to me, no, in fact, When earth comes in between sun and the moon, we have full moon day. God knows how to send the light over to the moon. The reflection of His light cannot be blocked by the earth coming between the sun and the moon. The world cannot come between you and me to get the light we deserve to get. From the sun, there is a special relationship that we have with the Christ that the world cannot take it out of you and me. But whereas the new moon happens, you know when there is no moon day comes? The no moon day comes when we come between sun and the earth. We block out the sun's light. We block out with our own actions. We block out with our darkness, that the earth doesn't get to see the reflection of sun upon the moon when we block Christ. We need to give God the room to send the light over to this earth. We we need to source that light and we need to be in an angle where we can give that light's reflection upon this earth. The church that we go to, this line that we are in, you know, is a beautiful place where all the lights come together. We all bring our lights together. When we come on Sunday mornings to the church, we become like the lighthouse, right? That, that's why some of the churches are called the, the Church of Lighthouse, because all the lights are coming together in one place, that's really good. The lighthouse is good, but the lighthouse burns the light only from the top. We need to take that torch that we have in our hands to the nooks and the corners because the lighthouse can only shine from the, the top. You and I need to go to the streets. You and I need to take this light into the the homes. We need to take this light into our communities. We need to take this light into our workplace. We need to take this light into the hospitals and the prisons. We need to take this light into places where only you can show that moral excellence. You know, when Jesus becomes valuable to the world, just like what it says, He is a plan God has a plan. In that plan, He says, My glory, my honor, the world will know because of my son. The world will know because of my daughter. I have already placed my life, my light, into their light. And and my light is sourced into theirs. They're reflecting upon this earth. When we become the salt of the earth, and light to the world, we take His glory, His honor, and His work be seen by the people. You and I are the gospel people are going to lead uh, themselves to Christ. We can become a light, we can become a salt. That's not what the Bible says. I've already placed it in you. You are the light, and you are the salt. This morning, as we go into prayer and communion, I want you to just like a think through this part. As we start this beautiful week, like we talked about earlier, that paper heart that Miss Sarah Jackson was talking about can leave a hole in someone's heart. If you have left a hole in someone's heart, this is a week. I encourage you, and the rest of the the, the months and years, doesn't mean that if you don't do this this week, it's not going to happen. But I am asking you to consider taking time this week to look at places where you have left a nail inside someone's heart. Go ahead and ask God to fill the holes Because that hole only God can fill. And that life only He can restore. But He relies on you and me to go to remove the nail from someone's heart. If there is any bitterness in your heart, leave them behind. Because you are the light of the world. Praise the Lord.